my name is Lauren, and I get to wear a lot of hats around here, but today I'm wearing the missions pastor hat as we're wrapping up missions week, so I'm excited to be able to share with you today. Um, Josh just read to us Isaiah 55, and we're going to kind of start at the end and then work our way back up. Um, the, the very end is a little bit of a weird thing. We've got trees clapping and mountains singing and shouting for joy. I mean, it's a little bit like Narnia, right? Um, And so it's this idea of the new creation and how we're looking forward to the new creation and how God's word will be accomplished to the point that the new creation comes in all its fullness. Um, And so we're going to talk about how do we get there. So the past couple weeks, we've been doing Missions Weeks. Two weeks ago, Bill Swan uh, was here with us sharing, and he talked about how we have the honor of helping God get his family back. He has all these kids that have run away from home, and they're lost, and they don't even know they have a dad. And we get a partner with him to help get his kids back. And then last week, Pastor John talked about why we're saved. We're saved so that we can be involved in the purposes of Christ, so that we can serve others. Um, And he told the story about Cambodia that many of us are familiar with, about how, you know, in 1981, 40 years ago, people just did what was right in front of them. There are people that need to know English. We'll help them learn English. And God took that seed, and it grew, and it grew more than we could ask or imagine. Um, And now what we see is you know, eight churches in Cambodia and a thousand people baptized. Um, And so when we partner with God so that he can do what he wants, God does more than we could ever anticipate. So that's the why of missions. We've kind of covered that. I want to talk about the how. I want you to walk away with something tangible that you can do. The hundred here comes from a missions meeting a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, actually. We were talking about our goals and what we wanted to accomplish for Missions Week. And one of our goals says, every person involved in missions. And if you know Mary Beth Goodrich, she's an accountant, she's a professor. And so numbers and precision are a big deal to her. And she said, that's not good enough. And he used to say, 100%. Um, And Mary Beth is also very persistent in a very good way. And so we have 100%. Um, So we really do want every person in our congregation... Every person, 100% participation in missions. Because it's not about us. It's not about what we're doing. It's not about that we feel we're called to fill every neighborhood with the good news of God's love. It's about that this is God's call. This is God's mission. Um, It's not something we came up with. This is his thing that we get to be a part of, that he invites us to participate in. So that's what we're talking about today. What are practical ways we can actually do that together? Every single person in this room. So, we have something I've, I've been calling the four habits. You've heard it in some of the videos. Pastor John mentioned it last week. But there's four habits. These are easy words. They're not hard words. Um, pray, give, go, welcome. We got two syllables on that last one. So, hang with me. We can all do these words. You know these words. These are things you've done. They're not hard. But we need to be reminded that these are things we're called to do and things that we can do together and that everyone can do some or all of these things. Um, So let's kind of step through these real quick. Um, Let's look at what it means to pray. We know that we should pray, but most of us probably talk more about praying than we actually spend time praying. It's just the reality of it. Um, And so for our church, we say we're a praying church. We love to pray with each other. We love to pray for teams as they're being sent out. Um, But we also need to remember to pray for the world, pray for the bigger issues that are going on, not just the people that are near and dear to us, um, but remember that our prayers make a difference in the kingdom of God. 
um, and that we need to look to beyond just our immediate circle and see what else God is doing. So there are three apps that you can download on your phone right now that I'm going to talk about that will help us kind of look at the bigger picture. So the first one is called Operation World. You may be familiar with this. It started out as a big book, and it actually has stats on every country on Earth. So if the book's intimidating, there's a picture book with color um, that that might be easier to uh, get into. Both of these are going to be in the prayer room. Um, Both of those are great resources, but you can also get this app on your phone. And every day it'll bring up a different country and ways you can pray for that country and the people in that country. So it's a great way to just be, become more aware about the world God has made and the, the, the different ways we can participate in it. The next one is called Joshua Project. And this one's a little bit different, although it's kind of a similar thing. Um, so Joshua Project really focuses in on people groups. You heard Amalia and Pastor John kind of mention this last week, that people groups are not defined by geopolitical boundaries. It's not the nations that, you know, the United Nations kind of set and carved out lines and you go here. Um, Because our languages and our cultures and our histories are more complicated than that. Um, So just because you're a Pakistani by birth doesn't mean that you speak the same language as other people in Pakistan. Same thing in America, right? Um, so, Joshua Project looks at the different groups, um, and if you look at the next slide, it's going to be a little hard to see, but you can actually go to joshuaproject.net and see it for yourself. Um, that there's 17,000 people groups in the world, 7,372 of them are unreached. This means they don't have access to the gospel, they probably don't have Christians in that people group, at least there's not enough Christians to actually reach the people group. Um, They probably don't have scripture in their language. So 40% of the world doesn't have access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because they don't have access to it, they don't have a way to find out about it in their language, we have to go to them if we want that to change. So Joshua Project will give you similar uh, people group. Every, every day you'll get a different people group you can pray for or you can look up a specific people group and kind of learn about them and pray for them over a period of time. So this is a really helpful resource as well. And then the last one is an app called Echo Prayer. And this is one where you can put in your own prayer requests and then set notifications and timers and it'll remind you to pray. So if you promised that you would pray for the surgery of the cousin, sister in your Sunday school class, and then you actually forgot about it and never did it, this would actually remind you to do it. So um, you can also set notifications to happen every week. So for every, every different day of the week, I have one of the missionaries we support. It pops up on my phone. Here's a notification to pray for our missionaries. Pray for the different things going on. I have an alarm that comes on every day at 1040 to pray for the 1040 window. So there's different things we can do like that. And I'll be honest, every time it pops up doesn't mean I stop and pray for 20 minutes. Never has happened that way. But it does trigger my mind to remind me and to be more aware of the world God's created and how I can participate with God in reaching the people in his world. So... Those are ways we can pray. Um, And prayer is really, really important. Because when we're talking about reaching unreached people groups, we're talking about cultures that for centuries and centuries have had no access to the gospel. Um, So these are are spiritual battles that are not going to go easily, right? Um, It's not like we, we believe as Christians that there's 
demonic influence in the world that doesn't want the gospel of Jesus Christ to go forward. Um, and so our prayers make a difference for the kingdom and praying for the people who are engaged in helping reach these unreached people groups and praying that God would send people to the people groups that don't have anybody yet. Um, so prayer really is absolutely critical, and it's something 100% of us can do. There is no one in this room that cannot pray. Um, so that's the first thing that 100% of us can do together. The next thing we can do is we can give. Um, and this is a, you know, slightly touchy topic. We don't like to talk about giving. Um, but the fact is, we have more resources in America than we know what to do with. We spend more money on Halloween costumes for our pets than we spend on giving to missions in America. It's not a bad thing. Your dogs look really cute. But <laughs> we have the resources, especially in this part of the world, to give to missions. And so we should. Um, and this church is a really generous church. We give a lot to missions. We, for the size of the church we are, we do really, really well. Um, so that's to be commended. Thank you for your generosity. Um, but it's just to remind us that this reaching and going to places that are hard to get to doesn't happen without resources. Um, and so our faith promise giving is above and beyond the budget. But budget money doesn't contribute to our missions. The way we support our missionaries is above and beyond. Um, and so that's what we do with Faith Promise. And if you haven't had a chance to turn in your Faith Promise card, we'll still take it because that helps us decide how many missionaries we can support and the projects we can help with. So giving is an important part. But giving isn't everything when we talk about supporting missions because we have people on the field, many of them that have come from our own congregation, and they don't just need our dollars. They need our support. They need our prayers. They need our emotional connections. They need our spiritual support. Um, and so we can support them in many ways. Um, and that's something that we try to do, but that's something all of us can do a better job at. Um, you've got an insert in your bulletin that has all of our missionaries listed. Keep that. Take it home. Put it on your fridge. Pray for these people. Follow them on Facebook. Follow them on Instagram. Get their emails. Reply to their emails when they send prayer requests. Um, there are things we can do to stay in touch, even though they're a long way off. And that's one of the best things about the digital age. But it also is a way that we can be involved in helping them beyond just giving money. Um, because it can be lonely to be on the other side of the world. Um, and the people who send them, the families in our congregation that have sent people out, they need your support too. Um, because they've got people that are missing birthdays and softball games. And, um, you know, it's not easy to live a long way away. Um, but as the family of Christ, we can be that for each other. So we're going to jump to go. And again, this is one that is a little bit scary. People don't really like to talk about going um, because it isn't hard. It isn't easy. It is hard. Um, but the task isn't going to get finished unless some of us actually pack our bags and move. Um, Short-term trips are great, especially when we go to encourage the missionaries that are there. It's a lot of why we go to Honduras, right? Who would want to raise 30 teenagers at the same time? Nobody, okay? So that's why we go to Honduras, because they need help with that. Um, you know, but we also need people who will say, yeah, I'm going to spend the bulk of my life for the next decade of my life or even a year or two of my life somewhere else besides my home country so that I can make an impact for the gospel in ways that wouldn't happen if I didn't go. Um, and so that is a challenge, and that is something for us as a congregation to say, we need to keep that before us and not just take that option off the table. 
Um, and to our youth, as you're looking at college, I would say that pretty much anything you think about doing here in America, in a global economy, you can pretty much do that somewhere else. You want to be an engineer, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a teacher, all of that can also happen in another culture where you can make a tremendous impact for the kingdom of God. So don't put that off the table. Allow God to keep that opportunity before you, that if you're interested in missions but also really want to do something else, he's probably created a way for you to do both of those things together. And to everybody else in the congregation, I'd still say it's not off the table. A lot of us in this room are at the age where we have dollars to spend and we don't have to go to work and we have time and we have an empty nest. And maybe what would it look like if we took a year or two to go somewhere and to give our business experience as consultants or to teach English? Yes, this is scary, I realize. Um, But maybe it's something you've never considered. And maybe it means to be something that you should consider. What if we made an investment in the kingdom by actually going somewhere that needs the gospel, that wouldn't have it if we didn't go? So, that one's a little bit harder to talk about. But this next one, welcoming, is really important. And it's something the church is really good at. We're already doing it. So I just want to encourage us to keep doing it. Um, But there's a video I really like that can say it a little bit better than I can. So let's watch this short video, and then I will wrap it up. The world is in crisis. The number of people forcibly displaced by war, conflict, or persecution recently reached a record high of 60 million. That includes over 15 million refugees. All over the world, people are migrating in search of a better life for themselves and for their children. The result is huge population shifts. Our demographic landscape is changing dramatically, and we can easily allow the multitude of cultural voices from political parties to media outlets drive the way we feel about the world moving from all nations to all nations. As believers, though, The only outside voice we should care about is God's. So what does the Bible say about God's heart for the foreigner? Depending on your Bible translation, you'll see the words aliens, sojourners, foreigners, and strangers over 100 times in Scripture. In Deuteronomy alone, God commands his people to love the foreigner, use tithes to bless the foreigners, assemble with foreigners to listen to God's word, invite foreigners to holidays and feasts, and to take care of the physical needs of foreigners. Why would God issue such commands? Again, Deuteronomy makes it clear. Because the Israelites were once foreigners in Egypt. Because the Israelites were slaves and God redeemed them. And, ultimately, so that others could learn to fear the Lord and follow God. God's instructions on this matter go far beyond Deuteronomy, though. Think about the story of Ruth. Ruth was a foreigner from Moab who married a Jewish man who died, leaving her a widow. Culturally, Ruth should have returned to her native land to be reunited with her own family and her own people. Indeed, Naomi, her mother-in-law, encourages her to do just that. But Ruth won't leave. She had been shown so much love and kindness by Naomi that she proclaimed, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Ruth decided to forsake the beliefs of her own people in order to follow the one true God of Israel. Imagine what could happen if Christians all over the world welcomed, loved, and showed hospitality to the refugees, immigrants, 
and international students flooding into our countries. We could have a great harvest of people saying, I want your people to be my people and your God to be my God. Historically, missions has been focused on leaving your context and going out to reach the nations, and that must continue. But perhaps welcoming is just as strategic in the mission for God to be glorified among every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And remember, according to Ephesians 2, we were all strangers and foreigners, even enemies to the kingdom, before Jesus made a way for us to be citizens, children, and heirs. Pray, give, go, welcome. Where is God calling you? Okay, so I know I probably lost some of you with the whole politics thing, so hang with me. First of all, this video is several years old, so it's probably not referring to what you think it might be referring to. <laughs> Second of all, I'm not here to say our laws and politics don't matter, especially as they relate to immigration and things like that. They do, but I also know the kingdom of God calls us to a higher plane. And it's a plane where we're looking forward to, as Isaiah says, the new creation, when every tongue and tribe and people and language will be worshiping before the throne and English will not be the majority language, okay? So as the kingdom of God, as kingdom citizens, as heirs of, of Christ, we have a larger vision to look forward to, okay? Um, so in that light, this is a huge part of who we are. This is a part of our story as First Methodist Carrollton. This is part of our spiritual DNA, is that 40 years ago we saw refugees in our own backyard, and said, hey, we need to do something about that. And we didn't think it turned into anything other than helping the people in our own backyard. But again, God had plans and visions far beyond what we could ask or imagine. Um, and so that, to me, is exciting. Because we've seen what's come out of just simple ESL classes, right? Like, we didn't, we didn't think that would be a huge deal, except for the people we were actually interacting with. But it's turned into something even bigger. And I believe that what God wants to do in Cambodia is monumentally bigger than what we see right now. You know, we have eight churches. There's 14 million people in Cambodia that need Jesus. Like, we're just getting started. God is just getting started, and we get to partner with him in that. But we also get to look around and say, okay, what is happening right now in 2020 that we can be a part of? Who are the internationals we need to reach out to right now? Um, because a question that keeps coming to my mind is, what are our kids going to say about us in 2060? And 40 years from now, what are they going to look back and say, man, we are so glad the people of God in 2020 stepped out in faith and did something, and the ramifications are we're just seeing now. Um, because the kingdom of God is so much bigger than us in our lifetimes. You know, we're connected to people in centuries past. You know, as we do communion, we're going to pray prayers that people have been praying for centuries. Um, but we're also connected to the future people of God, the people that don't know Jesus yet, but someday will because of the prayers we're praying today. Um, so that's really what, you know, this is all about. How can what we're doing, even if we don't see the full fruit of it in our lifetimes, how can what we're doing today make a way for other people to know God all around the world? Um, and so this is what we see in Isaiah 55, right? Look, you will summon nations you did not previously know. Nations that previously did not know you will run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. And the fact is, we have internationals all around us, all the time. Um, 
the, the demographics have shifted, you know? Every time you go to Walmart, every time you're walking around somewhere, there most likely are going to be people that are from a different background. And that's a cool, exciting thing that we can take advantage of. So what I want to challenge every person in this room, every person in this congregation, 100% of First Methodist Carrollton, is that in the next year we all make a new international friend. That's doable for every single person in this room. That may be talking to your waiter at El Phoenix. That may be talking to the lady behind you at Walmart. That may be going to a place in town that has lettering on it that isn't English and striking up a conversation. Now, I know some of you are thinking, that's all extroverted stuff. I don't do that. I get that. I'm with you. So there's a solution for that, because I'm an introvert, too. We actually have two systems that are already designed to help you connect with people that want to connect with you. You don't even have to ask, do you want to be my friend? They already do. So, English Conversation Hour meets every Wednesday. There are people that just want to practice their English. If you speak English, which you do, you can help. Okay? That's all you have to do. You come in, you read a lesson, you answer some questions, you do some pronunciation. That's it. And you make friends. It's a really cool thing. The other thing we have is friendship partners with uh, international students from UTD. Um, and this is people that, again, they sign up and say, hey, I want an American friend. You don't have to go looking for them. They give you a friend. And then you can hang out with them and learn about their culture, learn about their family, learn about their background, get to know them, find out what they like to do, share what you like to do. It's not hard, I promise. Um, so in 2021, I want our missions display to be a sea of selfies of us with our new international friends. I'm dead serious about this. I will call you on this next year. I will, okay? So this is something we can all do together. Every single person in this room, from kids at school, I know you have people in your classes. I know that parents, you see people from different cultures in your kids' activities. Um, everybody can do this. This is 100% participation. Um, and I think if we do this, we're going to get to ask God what he wants to do through these new friendships. Some of them may not go anywhere. You know, we're not saying we need to be planning churches and have a timeline of we got to do this and this and this because of this. That's not how God works. But God surprises us in ways that we can't even anticipate when we just say, yes, I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to do the small things. And God blesses our faithfulness in the small things and, and does more than we can ever imagine him doing. So we go back to Isaiah. And here's the exciting thing is it's not on us. We don't have the burden of making this work on our shoulders. Because God says in his word that my word will go out. It will be accomplished. It won't return to me empty. It will bear fruit. Um, but God invites us. It's like a, a cosmic bring your kid to work day. We get a partner with God and what he's doing. He invites us to be involved. He doesn't have to use us, but he wants to use us. Because that's his model is relationships. He wants to build relationships. Just like Jesus came to be a human, to live with us, and to walk with us, and to be our friend. That's the model we get to have, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and make friends. That's as simple as it gets. Um, and that is the gospel. That we get to partner with God to see him restore relationships with people from every tribe and tongue and language and people. That is what we get to participate in. And that's a joy and an honor and a privilege. It's not something we have to do. And it's something that ultimately will happen because God said it will happen. And so we just get to kind of go along and enjoy the ride. So here's the thing. Isaiah says there's a feast. And all of us are invited. But most of us 
don't know that they're invited yet. And the thing is, those of us that have the invitations, we don't get to sit down to eat until everybody shows up. Um, And so some of us may make it to the finish line faster than others. Some of us, um, you know, may take a little longer in terms of where we are in our life stage. But ultimately what we're looking forward to, the new creation, the feast at the end of time, that's not going to happen until every tongue and every tribe and every people and every language show up at the feast. And so we get to be a part of that and saying, okay, God, I want that to happen soon. I want your kids to be at your table sooner than later. I want the feast to come. I want restoration of all things to come sooner than later. And so we get to invite people to the feast. And today as we take communion, this is just a small foretaste of the feast God will spread for us. Um, We get to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us that has already been paid for. We get to come and buy and buy milk and wine without price because it's been paid for. Jesus has done the work. We just get to feast. Um, And so as we come to the table today, think about who you know that needs to be feasting with us because there are a lot of them. And if you don't know them personally, we can make new friends together um, because there are a lot of people that are hungry and don't have the money to buy what they need. And we have a feast prepared for us. And so the invitation from God and the invitation we pass on to the world is come, come to the feast. Find Jesus here and feast on him. Today we have tasted the goodness of God. We have feasted at his table and we have leftovers. And so the challenge for us now is what will we do with this? There's space at the table. There's room at God's table for the Kamai and for the Afghani and for the Banjar. There's space at God's table for the Kurds and the Thai and the Uyghurs. There's space at God's table for the Han and the Punjabi and the Mongo. There's space at this table. And so our challenge as we go out, as we sing this last song, what is it that God wants to do in us so that his grace can go out into all the world. As we receive the body of Christ, what do we need to do so that we can be the body of Christ for the Kamai and the Han and the Punjabi? As we sing, let God speak to you before we close the service.